Hi, we're the ladies of LifeSite, and we're so glad you're here. We're ladies simply navigating the challenges and triumphs of this modern culture as moms, wives, sisters, and daughters. Join us each week as we discuss the raw questions and situations that we face every day from our unique perspectives. So grab your cup of coffee, tea, or beverage of choice, and let's dive into this week's episode. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you're having a wonderful week so far. In last week's episode, in our conversation with Joseph Backholm, we discussed the Texas Heartbeat Law and the implications of it. So if you haven't listened to it yet, I highly recommend that you do. He's just so knowledgeable on the topic, and we were so fortunate to have his insight. One thing that really struck me in our conversation with Joseph was a crucial point that he made when he discussed the day when Roe v. Wade is overturned. He said that we must be doing all we can now in our communities, expanding pregnancy resource centers and the resources that they provide in order to help abortion-minded women at their most desperate hour. So I really wanted to take more of a deep dive into who pregnancy resource centers are and what they do and how they help their communities. So in this week, we're talking to Bryce Asperg, the executive director of Helping Hands Pregnancy Resource Center in Michigan. Bryce has been involved in the pro-life movement since high school, and he talks about what his involvement has been and how pregnancy resource centers are helping not just in meeting the needs of abortion-minded women, but in how they're helping to educate their communities on the resources they provide even at the high school and college levels. And he also makes some really great points and has some great insight on the role of men in the pro-life movement. And truly, if we are looking to a day when Roe v. Wade is overturned, we must be confident in the fact that pregnancy resource centers already outnumber Planned Parenthood's three to one. So the pro-life movement won't be starting from scratch, but it's imperative that we help and support pregnancy resource centers now so that they can do more of what they do in their communities and do it well. So without further ado, let's welcome Bryce. Well, Bryce, thank you so much for joining us today, and we're just so thrilled to have you. As you're the executive director of a pregnancy resource center now, could you just share, you know, what is a pregnancy resource center and kind of what's the synopsis of what you do there? Thank you so much for having me on. I'm very happy to be here talking about such an important topic. And pregnancy resource centers are really in in many ways the hands and the feet of the pro-life movement. And so they aim to minister to and needs, both physical and spiritual needs for men and women in challenging pregnancy situations. And so that can be everything from pregnancy tests and options counseling to free ultrasounds, one-on-one parenting classes, lots of material assistance, and diapers and baby clothes, and really whatever these men and women in challenging situations might need. We're there to help and to walk alongside them. And if we don't have exactly what they need, refer them to the people who do. And Just as a little bit of background, there are an estimated 2,700 pregnancy centers across the country, which is just an incredible number. And all of these centers, very few of them take any government funding, and they offer all of their services for free, which is just incredible. An estimated $230 million worth of service that they provide to communities all across this country, and they don't take a cent for any of it. You know, that's absolutely just incredible. And and I've had a lot of connection with different pregnancy resource centers and my work in the pro-life movement. 
And it's just been incredible to see the work that they do. And hearing that number as well is just phenomenal. Because when we talk about what's going on in our world with different pro-life laws that are being passed, it's so neat to see that, you know, we already have a lot of the resources and pregnancy resource centers established and in place that are already meeting those needs. So we're just so grateful for the work that you do and what a lot of pregnancy resources do and provide. What are some specific ways that people you know, if they want to get involved with a pregnancy resource center or they want to support a pregnancy resource center, what are some ways that they can help and be a part of it in that way? So there's three easy ways to help. The first is probably the most obvious, money. You can donate if you're in a place where God has blessed you to have more than you need to be able to share that around. There are just a lot of these centers are doing incredible work and running on very small budgets. And so financial assistance is huge for these places. The second is to get involved and to figure out how you can support that center yourself with your time and with the gifts that God has given you. And those ways are going to look different for every center and for each person, because God has made us all differently with different gifts and as different members of the body of Christ, we're designed to be serving in different ways. And so for some people, that might look like volunteering to fix your sink for free. I had a man at my church offer to do that for us, and that was huge. For a number of people, that could be providing options counseling for women who are coming through the center, or it could be organizing the the store where you keep your, your diapers and your baby toys and your cribs or folding baby clothes. I mean, there's really no limit to ways to get involved volunteering to support the pregnancy center. And then lastly, I just want to mention that prayer, that this is something that any Christian can do. Uh, and I ask, implore our Christian listeners to do that and to approach God and ask for his blessing on them. And there's just so many needs that these centers have. And again, not everyone can meet all of them, but we can all pray and God can meet all of all of those needs. Can you just walk us through, for those who aren't familiar with the Pregnancy Resource Center who have never encountered, you know, one in their community or just aren't familiar with it in general, when a woman walks into the center to get help, to get resources, maybe she's abortion-minded, maybe she just needs help as a mom, what is kind of the experience that she has once she walks in the door? Well, our aim is for the, the entrance area to be the most welcoming that it can be. As far as I'm concerned, I think this is the case for us and the case for many pregnancy centers, the most valuable resource that we have to offer are the volunteers, just the people who have given of their time to to walk with these men and women and to get to know them and to invest in their lives and to listen to them, uh, just to listen, to understand their perspective and the situation that they're in and where they're coming from. So a woman can ex- walk in and expect a nice welcoming environment and a kind face at a reception area to get to know her. And just to hear where she is and what services she's interested in, and then we'll get her scheduled for those as quickly as possible. If that's our parenting classes, she'll be paired with a mentor and she could start coming in and meeting with them every week, walking through a curriculum that we have. If it's a pregnancy test, we will schedule that immediately as soon as we possibly can, just because we really want to get them into the center and have that chance to start building a relationship with them. That's really what it's about, is we want to get to know them, we want to love them, we want to support them however we can. And so it's all geared toward toward building that relationship. I kind of just want to go back to how people can help a little bit, because a friend of ours 
said something about like her daughters helping with the um with their pregnancy resource center in their town and i'm just wondering what your advice is for uh parents who want to bring their children into this because like you said it is the hands and feet of the pro-life movement i think it's such a great thing that you are doing and i think it's like such a perfect way to get the family involved and having young people volunteer at a pregnancy center is is really awesome we're in a college town and so we're really blessed to have a number of college students who are regular volunteers for us or just help out with special projects or give sacrificially for them whatever that looks like and so, as, as I mentioned, there's so many various needs in pregnancy centers, and many of them are wonderful to bring kids along with, whether it's just weeding outside the center or doing some yard work and talking with them about why you're doing what you're doing and the value of it, or folding and sorting baby clothes, which can be a lot of fun because those outfits are really cute, and there's lots of them coming through the doors that need to be sorted, or, or anything like that. I mean, cleaning the office, again, there, there's really no limit to the work that can be done. But I think the important thing is for raising up kids, showing them why we do what we do. I love to just give a tour of the center for anyone who's coming through so that they can get a broader perspective that even if all that they're doing is is cleaning the floors or writing thank you notes or filing papers, they're a critical part of a much, much bigger work than just that. And that all of those little pieces are leading up to a much bigger whole uh, that we truly believe that God is using in the community and, and Lord willing to really build a culture that values and respects life. What has been your biggest challenge? On a personal level or facing the center? All of the above. All of the above. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know, I mean, one of the challenges that you're going to have is going to be, you know, like you, you're not getting funding from the government. You have to raise the funding that you need to be able to provide these free services for these women? Funding is a perpetual challenge for any pregnancy center anywhere. And that's just the name of the game. Because if you have enough money for what you're doing, then you probably want to be doing more and then you won't have enough money for that. So fundraising is certainly a, a perpetual thing. We have been so blessed here at this center to see God has provided so graciously, especially through the local Hillsdale County Community Foundation here in the Knights of Columbus, uh, but we now have a fully funded ultrasound machine that's going to be delivered this week, which is totally a game changer. And so we are just thrilled at his gracious provision there. But yeah, the money is always a challenge. There's always need for money. So fundraising is going to be a big one going forward, making the center financially sustainable. There's just a lot of administrative tasks and just as director, you have your hat in many different rings at the same time. Uh, you don't have to do everything, but you have to see that everything is getting done. And so there's just donor relationship maintenance and then wanting to expand that, getting to know area churches and speaking at them and opening up doors there, building relationships with the local schools and with local businesses. And just making sure that the center is running smoothly and that staffing concerns are being met. So I, I think just balancing all of those and knowing where to spend your time when there's so much that needs to get done is probably the, the going to be the hardest part of the job in the short term, at least. Where are you at again? What city? And what's the name of the, the center? Helping Hands Pregnancy Resource Center. You know, you mentioned the number of there's 2,700 pregnancy resources nationwide. And, you know, I'm sure 
there are still communities that don't have a pregnancy resource center. And maybe there's someone listening to this episode that's considering starting one in their community or they want to kind of build or expand on the ones that they have. So if somebody is wanting to start a pregnancy resource center in their town, do you have any advice on how they can kind of get started or you know, what What are the biggest um, connections that they might need to make or what resources they need to kind of get connected with first, kind of a step one situation? There are several large organizations that have many, many affiliate pregnancy centers across the country. And so doing a little bit of research and reaching out uh, to CareNet or Heartbeat International or NIFLA, the National Institute of Family and Life Advocates, Either of those three groups, well, really looking into all three would be a great place to start. And they all provide maps of where the nearest pregnancy centers are near you. So you can start to evaluate where that need is and if there's somewhere that you can plug into or or if starting something would be a good direction to go. And I also just want to put a plug in here for creativity, that this is so important and, and to think outside the box when trying to meet the needs in your community. We have an article here about the history of our center, and it didn't start with a brick-and-mortar building, but it started with several courageous pro-life advocates who saw a need to provide counseling to women in crisis pregnancies, and they had a desire to meet that. And so a borrowed office space and a counselor with with a phone number, I mean, that was really how we started, was before any of the parenting classes and before before we had thousands of diapers to give out, there was just a desire uh, to support and to love and to help women in these challenging situations. And so that's where it started. And that might be a good place that someone else could start. (laughs) You know, a phone number and a desire to love these women, some signs posted up around town. We're so grateful for the ways that God has led and that he's provided us with a beautiful facility and now a 3D ultrasound and just a growing capacity to meet the needs in the community, but that's not where everyone's going to start. And so just recognizing that helping and and meeting the needs that you see around you, however you can, is going to look different for every community, for the needs that they have, but also for the ways that God has gifted and has made each individual person. So that's what I would say is look look at what's needed around you and and check out some of these larger affiliates of pregnancy centers because they have a lot of resources that they bring to the table to help people who are starting centers or leading them now. Can I ask you how you got into this position and how you came to the pro-life movement? I have been pro-life for about as long as I can remember. I, I still remember driving down the road and I asked my parents a question about something about the presidential election and part of their answer included explaining what abortion was. And I just remember being shocked that that people were doing this um, and that we lived in a land that allowed legalized killing of preborn children. And so ever since then, I've had a burden for the issue that I can't exactly explain and that I can't shake. And so I started a, the pro-life club at my high school with the help of Students for Life of America, which is actually how Lisa and I met. We met back when I was working with with Students for Life, and she was as well. So that was fun. And really just since then have been continuing down the path of getting involved and taking one step at a time the opportunities that have been in front of me. And I was working remotely for a different pro-life organization 
And I'd heard about that there was a need at the center here, but was approached and, and just asked to think about applying. And through that process, it became very clear that this is where God wanted me and that it was a great for my family and I and for the place that he had put us and given us the flexibility that we were able to change course and step into this role. And so it's been a little bit of a whirlwind for the past about month and a half since we've been thinking about it and working here, but we're, we're just very grateful. It's been a wonderful time. It's been so awesome, Bryce, to just see your just involvement in the pro-life movement and how it's grown and just all the different ways that you've made an impact. It's so encouraging to me. And it really, I think, gives me hope and hopefully will give a lot of our listeners hope, too, of just hearing just the young excitement and energy for life and the opportunities that many young people are willing to take on uh, to make an impact. So we're just grateful for the work that you're doing and for being willing to step into that role. I know one of the big conversations and arguments that we tend to hear from abortion advocates is that men don't have a say or that men, you know, have a role when it comes to a woman's choice for her body. And, you know, abortion is really just a women's issue. But but clearly we know, you know, in the pro-life movement that that's not true, that men do have a role and a very important role at that. And so what is kind of your you know, what's your message to to men out there who want to be involved or aren't sure if they can or if they're not sure if the pro-life uh, issue is their issue? You know, what do you, what's kind of your your message to people about the role of men in the pro-life movement? You're right that this is something that I've had to think about a lot and thinking about for several years now and is a burden on my heart to think carefully about and to communicate well. I think there's a lot of people in the pro-life movement who just get frustrated at that argument that men don't have any role in this issue. And they, I mean, they recognize rightly that arguments don't have anatomy, right? And that the the position that you're making, if you're making an argument, the validity of that argument is not determined by whether you're a man or a woman. And so that's certainly true from a logical perspective. But I think at a at a different level, we need to be more careful in, in how we talk about it than just that. And I think it's helpful to point out that men have a responsibility to get involved in this issue. On one hand, abortion was forced on this country, forced on the United States by nine men on the Supreme Court. And so abortion was, in a real sense in the United States, it was started by men. And yet it continues because men don't stand up. I've been praying in front of the abortion center and I've seen it. I've seen the men pull up and drop off their girlfriends and drive away. And I, I distinctly remember a conversation with one young man and our, our sidewalk counselor approached him and he said, not my problem, not my responsibility. And then rolled back up the window and sat in his car. Because as far as he was concerned, he had nothing to do. This wasn't, this wasn't his problem. It wasn't his responsibility. It was her decision it was all on her. And he was out of the picture. And that's really a snapshot of the mindset that has allowed abortion to continue in this country for almost 50 years. And it's heartbreaking. It really is. And so just recognizing that men have a responsibility to stand up and how many women in these challenging, heartbreaking pregnancy situations wouldn't be there if, if the man in their life had loved them and had supported them and 
was really seeking what was best for them instead of just seeking their own interests. And, and that's, that's a sobering thought. And so it's just important to realize that really abortion is not going to end until men are willing to stand up and to sacrifice and to love and prioritize the women and children that God has placed in their lives. And so I just see my involvement in the pro-life movement as a little part of that, as a little bit of standing up and seeking to serve the vulnerable, uh, especially the women and children that are around. And that's, I think that's a call for all men. Yeah, I think your response really highlights just the need in our culture and our society for men to rise up and be be men and be godly men at that. And so I really just appreciate, especially your stories of being out there on the sidewalk. And it's something that I've seen as well. And I do think that you bring such a great point in that, you know, yeah, sure, it's a woman's body, but there's so much more than that associated with it. And I think we're seeing, especially in this culture, that abortion is not solving the issue that's causing her to come to the abortion facility. So whether it's she lacks resources, whether it's, you know, she whatever doesn't have the support or whatever her reason is, uh, abortion we know does not solve that problem for her. And so we do need men to stand up and just be there and support them in finding alternative options other than taking the life of their child. Yeah, I think that kind of brings us to one of the questions that's been kind of burning in my mind since our interview last week with Joseph Backholm when we talked about this Texas heartbeat bill and what's going on with it. But one of the points that he made is that if and when Roe is overturned, it's going to put this incredible need and incredible burden on pregnancy resource centers for more and more women who are abortion-minded and need those resources to not, you know, go through with their abortion. And so we need to have the resources in place in our communities to kind of take on that that additional need. So what do you think that pregnancy resource centers right now can be doing to prepare to help women in an even greater way as we approach the day when Roe is overturned. Everything that we've been talking about, as you've alluded to, is exactly the kind of work that we're going to need in a post-Roe world. But it's just going to be, we'll need to do more and we'll need to do it better. I mean, that's the short answer. And so I think we, we look at our, wor- our work with a renewed sense of urgency and realizing that any day now, any day now, Roe could be overturned. There's a great case coming up that that could be the vehicle that God will use to to end the age of forced abortion on the state. And so that could happen very soon. And to look at our capacities and to see how many women do we have the capacity to be serving and what do we need to do to double that? What's the limit? Is it staffing? Is it the material support that we have? Is it the size of our building? I mean, what needs to be changed to double our capacity to serve women in need? And I, I truly believe and pray and hope, but I really do think that Christians will rise to the challenge. I mean, you realize that pregnancy centers have been around in the United States for about 50 years, and there's 2,700 of them. If if I'm remembering right, that means they outnumber abortion facilities by about three to one in the United States, which is just an incredible feat of pro-life and Christian philanthropy that's very easy to overlook. 
But to go from nothing 50 years ago to where we're now providing $270 million worth of value every year is awesome. I mean, that is incredible. And so that was, that was a really awesome work that Christians and pro-lifers banded together all across the country to do. And, and so I, I believe that when Roe is overturned, there's going to be a similar burst of energy, burst of enthusiasm. Uh, but we won't be starting from nothing. We'll be starting from 2,700 centers with $270 million worth of value. And we'll just be growing from there. And so we're going to need Christians to volunteer their time, to volunteer uh, the money that they have and however they can be supporting this mission. And pregnancy centers need to be in an era of strategic planning and preparing for that and realizing what's it going to look like when Roe is overturned. And if we have twice the need coming through our doors than we do right now, how can we meet those needs? And so those are the conversations that I think are happening and need to continue to be happening in pregnancy centers all across the country. I really, really hope it happens very, very soon, which I know is going to be a burden on you, but you know, we'll be here to help you if you need us. Can you share some stories about uh, like just ways that the pregnancy resource center has helped someone? I know you're new to this role, so you don't have to be like, you don't have to give specific examples from helping hands, but maybe just some more personal stories of your time in the pro-life movement or story that someone has shared with you. Probably two weeks ago, I was talking with a friend from the area who had got, gone to the, the local high school and was saying that she ran with the crowd that from the outside, you know, would have been considered probably the good girls in the high school and people who had their lives together. And she said, you would have just been shocked at the number of them that had abortions. And we asked, you know, what would it have taken to change that? And she really thought that for many of them, if they had just known about the pregnancy center and known the resources that were available to them, that they wouldn't have made that decision to abort their child, which for me as a, as a pregnancy center director is just heartbreaking. And to think that there are women in this very community who are in those situations, who if they were just aware of who we were and the resources that they had and had someone to come alongside them and love them and their child, that they would not make that decision. And so that's just a press to move forward and get our name out there and keep doing the work that we're doing to find as many of those women as we can and bring them what they need. And so that really, to me, encapsulates why we do what we do and why we're here. There, there's many other stories, though, and I'm sure that if you ask me in a month from now, I'll have even more. But not everyone coming through the pregnancy center is abortion-minded or even abortion-vulnerable, but they're in various different different stages of life with different needs. And we're happy to, to serve those men and women as well because there, there's no abortion center in Hillsdale County at the moment, which is awesome. We're, we're so grateful for that. And so for us, it, it's a great opportunity to show what it's like to have a culture that values life and that affirms the value of life and the gift of motherhood and fatherhood and seeks to encourage those um, that God has called to that path. And so we're excited about that work. There's a, a family who's using our services right now and going through parenting classes that's fostering a little boy and hoping to adopt him soon. And that's just awesome to be able to be there and to walk with her through that. And she meets every week with one of our client mentors and just, you know, she's not in a crisis pregnancy and yet she's a first time mom. And so getting to 
to learn together with one of our client mentors has just been an awesome experience. And it lifted my heart talking with her because she was so excited about everything that Helping Hands had offered to her. And she also recognized, she told me that the, the men and women that we have staffing the center are really our most, our most valuable resource and the best thing that we have to offer to the community. So that was, that was really great to hear about. We also have a young man who will be taking our parenting classes here soon. And he's married and he doesn't have any kids and his wife isn't pregnant right now. And he just wants to learn how to be a father before that even happens which again, we're so happy to meet that need because that's a part of what it, that's a part of what it means. It's a part of what it takes to build a culture that values all life and all life that God has given us. That's just incredible. Your point about these high school students not knowing about the Resource Center calls to mind something that I was a part of back when I was in college and our Pregnancy Resource Center here, they had like a mobile kind of bus that they brought around town and it had an ultrasound unit in it and they brought it to the communities that were just, you know, not able to actually get to their center. So they tried to go to them. But one thing that they did that you just reminded me of is they actually tried to bring it to different high schools and they would do a little tour and presentation. But is there a way, and maybe you do this as well, that pregnancy centers could get into the high schools and do a short presentation on what they do and what they provide um, just so that high school students are aware who are in those situations. That's a great, a great idea. And let me just say before I answer that question, that those, those mobile ultrasound units are just incredible. It is, it is so crazy to me that we can have the technology to do an ultrasound and fit it inside a van that can fit in the parking spot. I mean, that, like, talk about revolutionizing sidewalk counseling right there. That is, that is so cool. What a game changer. But many, many pregnancy centers aim to do exactly what you were talking about. And we've done that in the past. We hope to be doing that in the future. There were, let's see, I've got the number here. In 2019, there were 880,000 students who attended a presentation, often through schools or through youth groups, about just healthy sexual habits and sexual risk avoidance. And so pregnancy centers have really been doing incredible work on that front for a long time. And that's, as I mentioned, something our center has been a part of and looks to be a part of in the future. Just an opportunity to talk with these kids and to help them through a challenging and vulnerable time in their life, but also so that they know who we are and what services we provide and how we can be of assistance to them. And just that we're here for them and we want to serve them. So certainly prioritizing those relationships with the area schools, as well as I mentioned, we're a college town, so it's a college in the area. That is a priority for, for us. And I think it should be for any pregnancy center because you've got to, you've got to get your name out there. People need to know that you're here because it doesn't matter how many baby clothes you have if you don't have anyone to give them to. Yeah, that's incredible. I think just the work that you guys do is so important. And it's clear, especially from your experience, you got involved as, you know, especially in the high school age. So clearly, that's a very important time for people to get involved and just start learning about the importance of life. I think especially when Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry are kind of targeting kids at younger and younger ages, 
we know that it's so important to kind of counter that and share the importance on life and that, you know, the resources that are out there. One question that we were kind of discussing that is sort of one maybe people aren't thinking about because we see the outward work that pregnancy centers do. What are some emotional struggles that might come with working at the center or volunteering at the center? I mean, clearly, we're kind of at the front of a spiritual battle and pregnancy resource centers being kind of the hands and feet of the pro-life movement. You're right there in it. So what are some ways that people can maybe pray for you guys in, in this work that you're doing? And just to clarify something on that is that I, well, it's true that pregnancy centers are on the front of the battle. I, I feel like I, I'm working in more of a support role. And there are men and older men and women who actually do the, the parenting classes. And it's all women who are counseling women in challenging pregnancy situations. And so I, I really think that they have the hardest job. And that they're especially the people who need the prayers that you're talking about. But anytime that you're interacting with men and women in challenging pregnancy situations, there's the risk of heartbreak. And just that really the, we are not in control and God is in control. We are not, and we can offer help and everything that we can do and all the love that we can share, but we can't make anyone do anything. And there are you know, going to be women who come through and receive our services and you know, maybe even receive an ultrasound and end up choosing to abort their child. And that's just, that's heartbreaking. And you've got to have a firmly grounded faith or you're going to be second guessing everything that you said. And so it's just, we've got to be able to have that mindset where we do everything that we can and we trust God with the results. And we don't believe that it's our persuasiveness or our order or our skills that are going to win the day, but that ultimately God wants our our faithfulness and our obedience, and he will do with that what he feels. But that mindset can be so hard to keep as a prideful, as prideful human beings. And especially when you're, when you're in the heat of it and just trying to minister to a woman in need. And so that can be heartbreaking for our volunteers who are answering the phones or counseling women, just prayer for encouragement and for, for that faith that I was talking about. That faith is a gift of God and we rely on him for it. And so just that, that God would strengthen those who are on the front lines and having those difficult and challenging conversations that they would learn to grow in their trust of him. That makes me wonder as far as, you know, the staff that you have of being a medical facility. I mean, you need to have sonographers and people to do those ultrasounds on the medical side. So is it hard to find volunteers who have, you know, the medical background that you need? Or, you know, does it do you find you, you know, it's pretty easy to find those people to fill those roles? I can't speak for other pregnancy centers, uh, but God has been very gracious to us. And we have a local doctor that's helping us out, as well as three uh, area sonographers who have expressed interest in volunteering for us. So you're right that there's a medical expertise and a technique that comes with it that can be a, a challenge for pregnancy centers to make that transition. And, and those organizations I mentioned, Heartbeat and CareNet and NIFLA, are, are happy to help pregnancy centers figure out how to meet those needs. So there are resources. But again, God has just been so gracious to us. And it looks like all those things are coming together to make that transition. 
Is there anything you want to share? Anything you want to um, share about your center or, you know, anything you want our audience to know before we end here? In terms of the center, I would say pray that our name gets out there and that people know just the great resources we have that we're eager to offer. COVID has been a hard time for a lot of pregnancy centers and clients have, it's been hard to get clients coming in and the pandemic has really, has really made that a challenge. And so that's a great need we have for us. And from what I'm hearing, that's a great need in other pregnancy centers as well. So pray for pregnancy centers that God would bring the clients that, that are needed to, to make use of those services. Because unfortunately, we know that the pandemic did not stop the abortion industry and that they are up and running as strong as ever. And so there's certainly a need out there. And just connecting with, with the men and women who need our services is a challenge. And then I, I would just add that we were talking earlier about the role of men in the pro-life, in the pro-life movement. And I, I didn't mention this, but I, I think anyone who's been involved for any length of time knows that the pro-life movement is not run by old white men who are sitting around conspiring. And it, that's just not the case. In fact, pro-life organizations are really blessed uh, with incredible women who are who are leading them and assisting them. And there is actually a very large shortage of men in the pro-life movement. It's hard to find hard to find good men who are willing to stand up on this issue. And I think that the other side has really succeeded in uh, getting men to stand down and to be afraid and to not to not defend the vulnerable women and children in society. And so there's actually a need for men to get involved that's probably much greater than people realize that they're not already involved in pro-life work. Yeah, that's just such a great point. I think that argument just really doesn't stand and it really doesn't have any meat to it because the reality is what you just said. So, Bryce, is there anywhere online that people can go to support your center financially? I know that's a big part, you know, of what you guys do and how you make it happen. And so if there are people listening that want to support you, where can they go to do that? So the easiest way is going to be just logging on to our website. It's helpinghandsprc.org. And currently we are in between credit card processing companies. So we actually haven't had the capability to take online donations yet, but that's our website, helpinghandsprc.org. And Lord willing that that capability will be up and there'll be a donate button up there soon. Uh, But if anyone's interested, they can mail a check or call us and we will figure something out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for all that you do, Bryce. And I I think this was just such a needed um, conversation, especially just in the pro-life movement right now and what's going on with different laws coming up. And I think that the needs that pregnancy resource centers meet is just so important. I think this is a conversation that has to happen and the awareness has to get out there so people know the resources are there. We just have to use our creativity to expand them and grow them and support them. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having the conversation. It's been a joy. It's something I'm happy to talk about. And I've enjoyed blessing it all with you, ladies. I think that's all that we have time for today. But Bryce, I hate to cut it off, but because it was just we could talk all day. It was such a great conversation with you. And I, I do know that you gave us such great, yeah, just such great insight, such great knowledge on just kind of what's going on kind of 
on the on the ground as far as providing support and resources to women who are in need of them and men as well. So we're just so grateful for uh, your time and we'll definitely um, include some links in the description as well for those who want to find out more about a few things that you mentioned as well. So thank you again for your time and we hope you all enjoyed this episode. 